his name. Amen. He's worthy of all the praises and all of the honor. Well, it's good to be in the house of the Lord. Thursday night. Amen. It's a little rainy on the outside, but nice and cozy on the inside. I know you might be a little cold. You know, this temperature only have one speed. I hope you figure it out by now that if it's not too hot outside, bring something extra because it's going to be freezing on the inside. And when it's hot outside, you know, well, it'll probably just be just right. So that's just what the system is. Um, I pray when we get our building, the system won't be like that. Things will be a whole lot different and we can make the temperature adjust. Hopefully by then they'll have fancy stuff where, you know, the temperature just kind of picks up. You know, you know, you know how the temperature control works in your car, you know, one of those kind of deals. It just comes on according to what's required. Amen. Well, I l- I'm looking forward to the word of the Lord tonight. Amen. Uh, I can't tell you. It, I know it might sound strange that as the deliverer of the word of God, I look forward to the word of God. But God, you, you just can sense when God is, is just directing you and leading you. And um, I'm excited about what God has in store for us. Amen. God has great things in store for us, church. Amen. And all we got to do is just trust him and obey him, follow him, and we will see all the great and wonderful things God has in store for us. Well, let's go before the Lord in prayer tonight. If you'll stand with me, get your hearts and mind on Jesus. And begin to let him have his way. Amen. I'm I'm not sure what that is. Okay. Hallelujah. Amen. You probably noticed we're changing up our seats, but we're still telling you to, you have your um, options of um, continuing to wear your mask. Um as I like to tell you, we're going to be as safe as we can here in New Jersey and hopefully in New York and in Pennsylvania. Um, what we experienced, we have learned from it. So we don't have to follow what everybody else is do. You do what makes you comfortable, okay? I want you to feel comfortable in whatever you choose to do. Don't feel uncomfortable about um, anything. If you desire to keep your mask on the whole time, keep it on. If you want to pull it down and breathe a little bit, pull it down and breathe a little, whatever it is. Uh, Just do everything you can to be safe. Amen. Some of us have been vaccinated. Great. Some of us decide not yet. Great. But just do whatever you can to be safe. That's what we're all about here. Because the, the, the thing that's most important is our relationship with Christ. All the other stuff is so trivial. Oh, my goodness. And so I always want you to know, don't don't get distracted by trivial stuff. That's, you know, stuff that's temporal. Be be focused on the things that are eternal. And so all the temporary stuff, let's not be serious about it. We can state our opinion and our facts about it or even just our opinion. Stay right there. Just We can just state our opinion and no big deal. We can differ in opinions and, and we're fine. What we don't want to differ on is obeying the word of God. And so that's what's important. So. Uh, we're going to do everything we can. We just wanted to give, hopefully, I don't know if this works or it doesn't. We're trying our best. The good news is 
um, um, we're, we're, we're flexible. Whatever we have to do to make things work for us, that's what we're going to do. So we're trying to see if um, uh, we can fit a little bit more people in and still be safe. And so we'll try this, we'll try that, and, you know, give us your feedback. Amen. And um, whatever we can do, we still have our box over there um, that we got a long time ago. Really solid member of Christ Center family uh, purchased that um, box for us to um, drop our, um, you know, thoughts or, you know, anything that, you know, comments or anything like that. So use it. If there's something that you would like to comment on, comment on it. Something you want to give an opinion on, give an opinion on it. Uh, we don't get offended in this church. Um, we're here to please God. And in the interim, it's going to work out for our good. So we're not going to get offended. You can tell us what you don't like. <laughs> See, there are churches you go. Once you tell them you don't like something, you're a sinner. <laughs> you don't like something that, that's going on, you're a sinner. And I don't, I, I don't believe that's the case. So please, even if you don't agree with something, you can state the case. And if we have to kind of, you know, explain it, walk you through it, we will. And if it's something that's valid, then we have to figure out how we can make it different. So that's how we'll operate. Amen. Well, let's go before the Lord. I believe God wants to do something in our life, in our heart. So how about we ask him tonight to guide us, ask him to do what he wants to do, that we can leave this place tonight with something that he will deposit in us that we did not have. Let's pray together. Father, in the name of Jesus. We're thankful, O oh God, to come into the house of the Lord one more time. We're grateful, Lord God, because your hand is upon us and that you have shown us mercy, grace, and kindness. Your love, Lord God, is unquestionable. We're thankful, Lord God, because we know, Lord Jesus, you want the very best for us. And how can we ask for any better than that? How can we ask for our Heavenly Father to be any better than you, Lord? You're the best thing that can ever happen to us. You are the great I am. You are the everlasting father. You are the wonderful counselor, the prince of peace, the mighty God. And, oh, God, we have come tonight to submit our will under your authority. And, Lord God, we want your will to now become our will, Lord God. And we ask tonight, Lord Jesus, that your spirit will help us. We ask that your word will help us. Lord, we want to walk in our purpose. We want to walk, Lord God, in divine favor Oh, God, with you. And so, Lord, we ask tonight that you have your way. We're here tonight, Lord God, seeking your purpose. We're here tonight, Lord God, calling upon your name, making our requests known unto you. So, God, you can point us. So, God, you can direct us. So, God, you can speak to us and teach us. Father, have your way in us individually as well as a collective group, Lord. Your kingdom come. Your will be done. Tonight, Lord, I pray the works of the Spirit in this place, Lord God, that the Spirit of God will operate in us. The Spirit of God will operate in this place tonight, Lord God. Oh, God, touch every heart that the Word of God will fall on good ground. And every mind, Lord God, let it be clear that the thoughts of God will be imparted 
is, Lord God. I pray that you'll anoint me as your oracle and allow me to speak as your oracle and place me in the flow of your spirit, Lord God, to rightly divide the word of truth. Lord, have your way tonight. If there's someone in this house that needs healing, if there's someone that joined us, oh God, on online church service, Lord God, I pray they need a healing that you will heal them in the name of Jesus, that you will make them whole tonight, Lord God. If there's someone, Lord God, that needs restoration, I pray for their restoration right now. If there's somebody, Lord God, that needs to be saved, I pray tonight, Lord God, that you will stretch forth thine hand and reach them, Lord God, and save their soul, if you will, in the name of Jesus Christ. Lord, have your way tonight, Lord. Bless and keep this congregation tonight. Thy kingdom come and thy will be done. Lord, we call upon your name tonight and we ask your will to be done for all these things we pray in the wonderful name of Jesus. Can somebody clap their hands and thank the Lord tonight for his goodness, for his kindness, for his mercy, for his love. Great is the Lord and greatly to be praised. Oh, hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. We bless your name, oh great God. You're the King of kings and the Lord of lords. There is none like you, oh great God. You are the great I am, Lord. We honor you and we adore you, Lord God. Have your way in this place tonight, Jesus. Oh, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Glory be to God. Glory be to God. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Thank you, Lord. You may be seated in the presence of the Lord. Good to see everyone once again tonight. It's good to be with you. Amen. I want you to open your heart tonight to the word of God. I believe God will help us tonight if we will just trust him, open our heart to him, and not just make tonight Bible study as usual, but let it be an opportunity that you will take advantage of as the Lord speaks to you and help you. Amen. Nehemiah chapter 1. Let's go to Nehemiah chapter 1. Amen. Here we go. Nehemiah chapter 1. And how about we read verses 1 through 11. Verses 1 through 11. Amen. Are you ready to read? All right. You can follow along with me. And let's look what the word of the Lord says. The words of Nehemiah, the son of Hakilah. And it came to pass in the month of Chilslu, in the 20th year, as I was in Shushan, the palace, that Hanani, one of my brethren, came he and certain men of Judah, and asked them concerning Jews that had escaped, which were left of the captivity and concerning concerning Jerusalem. And they said unto me, the remnant that are left of the captivity there in the province are in great affliction and reproach. 
The wall of Jerusalem also is broken down and the gates thereof are burned with fire. And it came to pass when I heard these words that I sat down and wept and mourned certain days and fasted and prayed before the God of heaven and said, this is his prayer. I beseech thee, I beg thee, O Lord God of heaven, the great and terrible God that keepeth covenant and mercy for them that love him and observe his commandments. Let thine ear now be attentive and thine eyes open that thou mayest hear the prayer of thy servant, which I pray before thee now day and night. For the children of Israel, thy servants, and confess the sins of the children of Israel, which we have sinned against thee. Both I and my father's house have sinned. We have dealt very corruptly against thee and have not kept the commandments, nor the statutes, nor the judgments, which thou commandest thy servant Moses. Remember, I beseech thee, the word that thou commandest thy servant Moses, saying, If ye transgress, I will scatter you abroad among the nations. But if ye return unto me and keep my commandments and do them, though there were of you cast out unto the uttermost part of the heaven, yet will I gather them from thence and will bring them unto the place that I have chosen to set my name. Now these are thy servants and thy people whom thou hast redeemed by the great power and by thy strong hand. O Lord, I beseech thee, let now thine ear be attentive to the prayer of thy servant and to the prayer of thy servants who desire to fear thy name and prosper I pray thee, thy servant this day, and grant him mercy in the sight of this man, for I was the king's cupbearer. There's a whole, whole lot there to dissect and look at as we go through studying these passages of scripture. And that's an example, if you want to, there's so, so many examples of prayers prayed in the Bible that is one of the examples. And you'll see how Nehemiah followed a certain format of how he prayed unto the Lord. Uh, prayer is, 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 I know it's conversation with the Lord, but what makes prayer effective is when you really come to know the Lord. Because when you really come to know the Lord, you know how to approach him. You know what he's capable of. You know what you're you're not capable of. You kind of have the understanding of what you're getting into, what the conversation will be about when you pray, when you know the Lord, as opposed to just praying. Now, God will always uh, handle us according to what we know. And so there are times where, you know, we may pray a certain way and you may say, well, God answered me. Well, God is like I.J., 
She busted up with IJ. I had to put IJ in the message already. God treats, some of us are like IJ and God treats us that way, right? Where, where, because we don't know a whole lot, he babies us. But he expects for us to grow into maturity. IJ is not the same age, nor he is the same size from the day he was born. And so for so many of us, we can't come to God and stay the same at the same level from the time we first came to God until now. We have to grow. We have to become more mature. And the more we grow and become mature, we're supposed to understand God a little bit better and know how to approach him in prayer. So I want to talk to you tonight on this topic. What you care about, you will pray about. What you care about, you will pray about. And that might be the biggest challenge we have concerning prayer. Because what we care about, it might not be what God cares about. And we kind of know it in our heart that what we are caring about is really not at the top of God's list. And so here we are. Uh, you know, consume with, you know, what we want to pray or sometimes we do even pray and God is saying, wait a minute, wait a minute. Why are you praying that prayer? There is two scriptures that came to mind before I got into studying this and the two texts that I thought about, I can't quote where they're from, but I can tell you what they are. And one text say, cast your care upon me. And the other one says, But seek ye first the kingdom of God. But seek ye first the kingdom of God. And if you read that whole text, you know that text talks about that you can't add anything to your life. You can't make your life any better. But, you know, you just seek God's kingdom first and God will take care of all of your needs. And so that's what God is saying. He will take care of all of our needs. So a lot of times, don't get offended when I say, well, God may not think that's so important. And the reason why is because he is saying, I didn't tell you to pray about those things because I got those things handled for you. Ah, Come on, help me tonight. Some things we might care about so deeply that we're praying about. God is saying, listen, I I told you, cast your care on me because I care. I got you. So let me worry about those things and you worry about seeking the kingdom. That's that's the process. So we 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 don't need to worry about the little things. God, how am I going to pay my rent? God, I got all of this stuff going on and I don't know what to do. God, my bills are just, you know, crushing me and I'm not getting no two and three jobs. But God, help me. And so God knows all of that. The only thing I can tell you about that, maybe you need to pray and say, God, help me to be a really good steward. I don't know about praying for the, because he got you on the, he knows what you owe and what you need to pay and all of that. And he doesn't want you to be no slave to any lender. So what you just need to pray is that God help me to be a really good steward. So I'm never a slave to any lender. Just pray that prayer. But don't worry about the things that are trivial because God will take care of those things for you. But what you need to not worry, but seek is God's kingdom. Amen. Amen. So what you care about, you will pray about. And I want you tonight to kind of examine what you've been caring about. 
What, what is it that you have been caring about? Because, because again, I, I don't want you to become a frustrated Christian. And when you're caring about something that in your mind, this is how you're probably processing. God, you love me. And I know you care about everything I care about. But I've been praying and asking about this for the longest and you just haven't done it. And so that frustrates you because God is not doing anything about it. But just for a little bit, because you're only thinking one sided when you think like that. But, But can I just say something about that? You're saying that about God. God, what about this? What about that? And God is saying, sis, bro, if I answer that prayer, I won't be able to find you. So I know you care passionately about that. I know this is what you want. But if I'm not answering it and you know I love you, why don't you think about the other side of it? Because I love you. And you know I do because I went to the cross for you. So whatever you're praying about and you haven't received it yet, it's because I determined that no or not right now. And because I'm all knowing, you got to trust me on that. Amen. What you care about, you will pray about. The worst behavior toward our fellow man is not that we hate one another. Hmm. It's not hate. But the worst behavior we can demonstrate toward our fellow man is to be indifferent toward them. As a Christian, the worst thing we can be toward one another is being indifferent. You want some scripture? Prodigal son, not prodigal son, I'm sorry. Luke chapter 10, verse 25 through 37 uh, talks about the good Samaritan. The good Samaritan. Remember the Jewish guy that was beaten and, and, and robbed and was laying in the street? Nobody hated him, but they had indifference towards him. They walked past him. And so God has an issue with us being indifferent with one another because, let's face it, how many people really hate one another? Not a lot of people. You know, we we, we use that word loosely. Yeah, you're a hater. Or, or, you know, just say that people hate. But, But more selfish than haters. What we might call hate is just really downright selfishness. And when people want what they want, they do whatever they got to do to get whatever they got to get. And so if it means stepping on you, if it means mistreating you, they do that. But it wasn't because they hated you. It was because they selfish. So we mistake selfishness a lot of time for hate. But the worst, because it simply means we will not care about one another. We will not care about what's wrong with each other. Nehemiah was the kind of person who cared. He cared about the traditions of the past and the needs of the present. He cared about the hopes for the future. He cared about his heritage, his ancestral city, and the glory of his God. 
He revealed this caring attitude in the text we just read. Nehemiah was a caring, godly man. Very caring. Nehemiah was a layman, what the Bible called a cupbearer for the king. The king Artaxerxes, King Artaxerxes, who ruled, I'll say it again, Artaxerxes. You want me to spell it for you? If you want to get technical, A-R-T-A-X-E-R-X-E-S, King Artaxerxes. <laughs> the school teacher just told me, come on. So you all better come on and get on board with the spelling and the pronunciation. A cupbearer was much more than our modern butler. It was a position of great responsibility and privilege. At each meal, the cupbearer tested the king's wine to make sure it wasn't poisoned. A man who stood that close to the king in public had to be handsome, cultured, knowledgeable in court procedures, and able to converse with the king and advise him if he was asked. Because he had access to the king, talking about the cupbearer, talking about Nehemiah, the cupbearer was a man of great influence, which he could use for good or evil. When you have influence, you can use it for good or evil. Like large doors, great life-changing events can swing on very small hinges. It was just another day when Moses went out to care for his sheep. But on that day, he heard the Lord's voice. The Lord called him and he became a prophet. Just an ordinary day. He went out to 10 sheep. He came back a prophet. It was an ordinary day when David was called home from shepherd in his flock. But on that day, he was anointed king. Just an ordinary day, just like right now. It was just an ordinary day when Peter, Andrew, James, and John were mending their nets after a night of failure. But that was the day Jesus called them to become fishers of men. Just an ordinary day. And your whole life can be changed with one call of God. You never know what God has in store. So seek him. Keep your heart open to God's leading. Because you don't know what God is up to. The worst thing we can do as Christians, church, is just make this thing routine. Make this thing to just be, it's just what we do. I'm sorry, church. This is not just what you do. This is something like nothing else you will ever do. 
This thing consists of the power of God being able to change and transform in no time. This is something different from everything else. We're seeking and we're serving the all-powerful, the almighty God, and his name is Jesus. This is not like anything else. So we can't just become comfortable with this and just think it's just ordinary business as usual. You have been called by God, but your character will be the your character will determine if you're chosen of God. You have been called by God. All of us are called by God, but our character will determine if we're chosen of God. The call comes first. And when we obey and respond to the call, how we Live after we respond to the call will determine if we're chosen. What do you mean by chosen? Chosen to be placed on a special mission. Chosen to, to, to fulfill your purpose in Christ. So being called is the beginning. So we can go around and say, I know God called me. Yes, he did. But God's End game for you is to choose you to fulfill the mission that he has in store for you. Trust me on that one. You're called. All of us are called. But being chosen is a whole different ball game. And that comes from your character. We'll see that as we go along. Why would Nehemiah inquire about a struggling remnant of people who lived hundreds of miles away? After all, he was the king's cupbearer and he was successfully secured in his own life. Certainly it wasn't his fault that his ancestors had sinned against the Lord and brought judgment to the city of Jerusalem and the kingdom of Judah. A century and a half before the prophet Jeremiah had given this word from the Lord. For who will have pity on you, O Jerusalem? Or who will bemoan you? Or who will turn aside to ask how you are doing? That's Jeremiah 15 and 5. Nehemiah was the man God had chosen to do these things. So years before Israel Jerusalem was ruined. Years before they were in captivity, the prophet Jeremiah prophesied, who will be the person that will help you get things back together? That was a prophecy. That was what Jeremiah prophesied. And guess what? The day came when now it was time to rebuild Jerusalem back up. And guess who it was that was leading the charge? Nehemiah. When you care about people, God can really use you to do something magnificent. When you care about people, God can work in your life. I got to tell you, church, this is a people business. We have to care about people. That's what God is wanting to use you to do is to help people. God is not worried about material things. God is concerned with people. And if God is concerned with people, so should we be concerned about people. Nehemiah asked about Jerusalem and the Jews living there because he had a caring heart. 
When we truly care about people, we want the facts no matter what. I don't care what. When you care about people, give away one of my secrets. I'm giving away one of my secrets. I listen to people talk sometimes. And when you start giving me details about somebody, I'm concerned for you. Because here is what I believe God expects of us. Because all have sinned. And because we're supposed to be trying to restore our brothers and sisters. I don't care a whole lot about what you did or what you didn't do. What I care about is, do you want to be restored? What I care about is, how badly do you want Jesus in your life? What I care about is, do you want to be delivered? What I care about is, do you want to be saved? I don't care about the details. Doesn't matter. What matter is that you want to be right with God. And so when you're talking and people want to get all in the details, I'm like, mm, watch out for that one. They're storing up one-ups. Y'all know what I'm talking about. When people want details, they're storing the one-ups to try to have one up on you. That's why they're asking details. Because when you have a heart for people, you don't care about the details. You only care about how you can help them get right with God. like that one too much what makes you laugh or weep is often an indication of your character what makes you laugh or weep is often an indication of your character people who laugh at others mistakes or misfortunes or who weep over trivial personal disappointments are lacking either in culture or character or possibly both. Watch out what you're laughing at, who you're laughing at, what you're laughing about. It's telling something about your character and you don't even realize it. Sometimes weeping is a sign of weakness, but with Nehemiah, it was a sign of strength as it was with Jeremiah, as it was with the Apostle Paul, and as it was the, with the Lord Jesus. In fact, Nehemiah was like the Lord Jesus in that he willingly shared the burden that was crushing others. Do you see burdens that's crushing others? You know, it's like, it's like, give me a good one. It's like how we get caught up in the high level part of what we call injustice. And none of us is in the trenches getting dirty, trying to fix it at the grassroots. <laughs> we we, we want to cry foul and want to say, oh, that's wrong. And I'm looking for somebody at the grassroots saying, how can I help? Because if you really cared about the people, you're going to go help people, not talk about how they're being distressed and how they're being mistreated. I want to help them, so I'm going to do what I can and let everybody else worry about whatever they just want to talk about. We do that a lot as a people. 
We're talking about what's wrong and not doing something about what's wrong. We can do both. Yes, we need to do both. But how many of us are really at the grassroots doing something about it because we care about people? That's what it's all about. We care so much that we're saying, listen, man, I know this is going, but let me figure out how I can go in there and try to help the people. Instead of standing before cameras and microphones and saying stuff and doing nothing about it. The worst thing a preacher could be is preach the word of God without having any experience in what he's preaching. worst thing a preacher can do you have no anointing when you preach the word of god without having experience the words will not have impact because you don't speak them with conviction and so that's the same kind of thing we do sometimes in society we're saying all of this stuff that sounds right but we have no engagement we're not involved in anything we're just saying what's right and that's why nothing gets fixed Because somebody just listened to you and said, okay, and everybody just played the game on the surface. You say what sounds right. The person that's listening to you said, I'm glad we had this conversation. (laughs) You know, that's the cold talk nowadays, having the conversation. Oh, man, you don't want to get me started on that. Because that's the new cold talk. Yeah, we need to have the conversation. Okay, and then afterwards what? The conversation is over and everybody walk away feeling good. They had the conversation, but yet the problem still exists. Can somebody just start doing something and let somebody pick up and say, why are you doing this? Just say, because nobody is doing anything about it. All we do is get up behind microphones and talk, but nobody's in the trenches, grassroots doing something. So I decide that's what I'm going to do because I care about the people. Let them come interview you while you're grassroots in it. But we run to the mic real quick. Start publicizing what's wrong. The book of Nehemiah begins with great affliction, but before it closes, there is great joy. Weeping may endure for a night, but joy cometh in the morning. Listen to me. Our tears water the seeds of providence that God has planted on the path and without our tears those seeds could never grow and produce fruit i'm telling you church we ought to go to god and say god give me a burden for the things of the kingdom and begin to weep over it because it's so have you overwhelmed if there's something in god that has overwhelmed you to the point that you're crying or do we just cry when we're in a vice or when we're in challenging situations or do we have a situation in christ that we're weak Weeping and praying just like Jeremiah. God, the city is ruined. The people are in bondage. God, they lost out. How can we help them? Any of us weeping like that? The Bible says Jesus weeped over Jerusalem. And so I realized that as Christians, there must be something about the kingdom that we're so burdened with that we begin to weep and moan and cry out to God and say, God, I want to help to resolve this. I want to help to make this better. What is it that we're crying to God about to help fix concerning people? 
Jeremiah gave us a clear way of what's going on here. When Nehemiah prayed, watch Nehemiah's prayer. Nehemiah's prayer began with praise to God. You remember that? He started out by saying what kind of God our God is. Nehemiah's prayer begins with praise to God, to the God of heaven is what Nehemiah said. He began his prayer as we should begin our prayers. Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. To what kind of God do we pray when we lift our prayers to the God of the heaven? We pray to a great and awesome God who is worthy of our praise and worship. Do we realize that God is worthy of our praise and worship? That we must praise him? That we must worship him because he is worthy of it? He deserves it because of all he has done for us? We ought to praise him. We ought to be thankful. We ought to give him praise and we ought to adore him and worship him. He deserves to be worshipped and adored and praised. If we are experiencing great affliction and are about to undertake a great work, then we need the great power, the great goodness, the great mercy of our great God. Is the God... You worship big enough to handle your challenges and your situations? Is there something going on in your life that the God we serve cannot handle? Is there something that he can't do? He is also the God who keeps his word. That's what Nehemiah did to him. Nehemiah says, remember the promise you made, Lord. So when you pray... You make sure you lift your voice to God and acknowledge him for who he is. So that's why when you start out praying, you ought to let God know what you think of him. And if you don't think of him, you better start thinking again about who he really is. And when we go to God, we ought to let him know what we think of him. We ought to praise his name when we go before him. And then if we need to, we need to remind him of some things he already told us and promised us. Some covenant he made with us. We ought to go to him and begin to remind him of those things. When we pray, that's what we want to do. The Lord had made covenant with his people Israel, promising to bless them richly if they obey his word, but warning that he would chasten them if they disobeyed. The city of Jerusalem was in ruins and the nation was feeble because the people had sinned against the Lord. That's, that's Jerusalem. But I tell you today, we can put ourselves in that kind of situation to say, we as a nation have sinned against the Lord. And we are feeble because of our sins. And, and, and we're weak because of our sins. No matter how much you think you're strong, you're weak compared to what God wanted you to be if, if sin is in your life. The greater part of Nehemiah's prayer was devoted to confession of sin. Are we quiet. <laughs> the God who promised blessings and chastening also promised forgiveness if his people would repent and turn back to him. It was promised that Nehemiah was claiming as the as he prayed for himself and the nation. 
God's eye are upon his people and his ears are open to their prayers. This is why in 2 Chronicles 7 and 14, it says, If my people, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven and will forgive their sins and will heal their land. We can look at this as worldwide. We can look at this as nationwide. We can look at this as a church. We can look at this as our home. This applies to every people of God. That if my people, God is saying, if his people who are called by his name, those that's been baptized and taken on his name through baptism, will humble themselves because that's the only time we pray. That's the only time we can pray is if we humble ourselves and pray. And he didn't say pray and give him your laundry list. He said pray and seek his face. Not pray and tell him what you would like. Not pray and tell him what he need to fix. Just seek his face. And turn from your wicked ways. Then he says he will hear from heaven. And will forgive your sin. And will heal your land. Then he went on and says. Now my eyes. This is Solomon. This is having this conversation here. Now my eyes shall be open and my ears attend unto the prayers that is made in this place. God established this church and when this church pray, if we will begin to pray and seek his face and turn from our wicked ways, he will hear and he will bless us. He will bless us. He says, then my eyes shall be open. My ears attend unto the prayers that is made in this place. For now I have chosen and sanctified this house that my name may be there forever. And my eyes and my heart shall be there perpetually. Note, as, as, as Nehemiah prayed, he used the pronoun we and not they. When we, that's what Jeremiah, Nehemiah was, was saying. When, when, when he prayed, identifying himself with the sins of a generation he didn't even know. It would have been easy to look back and blame his ancestors for the reproach of Jerusalem. But Nehemiah looked within and blamed himself as well. We have sinned. We have dealt corruptly. I never go before the Lord and tell him about other people's stuff without saying, Lord, I've sinned as well. I'm never going to think that I'm all good. Maybe when I get to heaven, God's going to smack me upside the head and say, all right, now you don't need to repent anymore. You, you, you made it. You, you've got a different body. You've been transformed. You, you, you never can sin anymore. Stop talking about, forgive me, oh Lord. <laughs> But it's just, it's something that I, I just know that I'm not perfect, but I'm striving for perfection. Amen. Nehemiah was confident that God would work in the heart of the king and secure for the project the official support that is needed. Nehemiah couldn't simply quit his job and move to Jerusalem. Hmm. He was an appointee of the king and needed the king's permission for everything he did. Furthermore, he needed the king's provision and protection so he could travel to Jerusalem and remain away from his post until the work was completed. 
without official authority to govern an official guard for the journey and the right to use the material from the king's forest, the entire project was destined to fail. Church, one of the reasons why we're trying to go about uh, uh, raising funds to purchase our new facility, one of the ways, reasons why we're going about it the way we're doing, because I want God to be in it. I don't want to go and try to do something that because we think we can do on our own. And then before you know it, because God is not in it, we can't sustain it. When God give it to us, it will be sustained. When God directs us, it will be sustained. When God provide the materials, it will be sustained. When God is the one that give the permission, it will be good. But if we go and try to do it on our own, we can get ourselves in a whole lot of pickle. We got to trust the Lord on this. Nehemiah was a man under authority. And guess what? Here's something to think about. Nehemiah had the burden. (laughs) This is good. Nehemiah had the burden to go and go and build back up Jerusalem. But he was under the authority of a king. Here is some of us. King, I know you're the king and I know you appointed me, but God just told me to go to Jerusalem. So guess what? I'm out of here. This, this is the kind of stuff I see all the time because we just get so crazy. And, and so the, the, the average person, we're just going to tell our boss, yo, man, I'm out because guess what? God just spoke to me. Instead of taking Nehemiah's approach, all right, God, if that's you, touch the heart of my boss. Oh, we don't want to do that. God, if you just if you just put that in my heart to go to Jerusalem and restore it and get it built up, put that same mercy and patience and approval in the heart of my boss. That when I go to my boss and and begin to explain to him or her what I need to do, they will show me favor. That's for somebody in here tonight. Somebody here tonight, you want to just do because God says, you know how many people I come across and, and they just want to go because God. Well, God, I'm, I, I, ain't nobody greater than God. And guess what? If God says it, then I'm doing it. And never stop to say, am I under authority of someone else other than God? And if you are, it's like, you know, we've heard this over the years. Well, the pastor is holding me back from doing God's will. Listen, man. Can man slow down stuff a little bit for you? Yeah. But ain't no way God's got a plan for your life. And he let me or any person that he called to be his preacher, his pastor, slow his will down. Ain't nobody bigger than the plan. Ain't nobody bigger than the plan of God. So we sound idiotic when we blame people for what you think God called you to do. That that individual was the one. If it wasn't for them, I I would have been well on my way. Are you kidding me? Either you are not understanding the power of God or you're just in left field. Because when God called you to do something, nobody's going to stop it. Let me tell you how brilliant God is. I mean, that sounds weak, but that's the best word I can use. 
he let Pharaoh let the children of Israel go. But he did the reverse on Pharaoh. He says, I'm going to make you just indulge in what you like to the point where you're going to not like what you like. That might have went over your head. Pharaoh wanted to make them hostages and kept them in bodges so bad that God said, okay, I'm going to give you that. That's where the plagues came in at. And he just kept on making the plagues come by to make Pharaoh just get so mad and say, I just go. Whatever God has to do to get you to where he got to get you to, that's what he's going to do. Joseph, I still till this day want to know if Joseph didn't tell his dream, how was all that going to happen? Just think about that. If you know the story of Joseph, how was Joseph going to get down to Egypt and become the governor if he didn't tell his dream and his brothers got jealous? I don't know. You might have the answer, but I don't know how that was going to work because his daddy loved him so much that he was his daddy's boy. So he stayed at the house, you know, coats of many colors. He stayed out of trouble. They didn't really send him to go and tend to the sheep as much because he was just a house boy. Just this is my last born. Let's, let's make sure he good. All your hard legs go out and do it. But my last born. No, he stays right here. That's how Joseph. That's how Joseph was babied. So if he never told his dream and his brother hated him, how was he going to get to Egypt and one day become the governor of all the land? God will do whatever he has to do to get his plan fulfilled through your life. So never think someone can actually stop God's plan for your life. It's, it's, it's crazy for you to think that way. Now, they might not want you to go and do what God wants you to do, but they can't stop you. And if you go to them and say, hey, God told me he wants to do this in my life, and they said, I don't think so. You need to be able to say, well, God, I guess you didn't want me to do this. That's all you got to do. Well, God, I guess whatever burden you placed in my heart, I guess you don't want me to do it because the authority that I'm under and God, I know you, you do things decent and in order. And so I went to the authority that was over my life and told them what you told me. And they said, no way, Jose. So now, Lord, I'm just going to keep on doing. And you got to deal with that. What what, what about that? When are we going to trust God that kind of way? Uh-huh. And so Nehemiah prayed and asked God to touch the king's heart that when he goes to the king and the king see his countenance that the king would respond and says what's wrong with mercy the king would respond with with patience and love and kindness what's wrong Nehemiah and Nehemiah shared what's wrong and the king the king Nehemiah didn't even realize that the king was going to send material and other men with him to go and help him with the task All Nehemiah wanted to do was go on his own to go do what he felt like the burden was put in his heart, what he wanted to go and do. He just wanted to go and do what was in his heart. And the king, when he went to the king and told the king what's wrong, the king says, not only am I going to let you go, the king said, well, tell me how long you're going to be. He told him how long he's going to be. He says, I'll tell you what, take some material. I'll tell you what, take my uh, my chariot. I'll tell you what, take some of my men with you. Go ahead. When God do it, he do it right. But if Nehemiah 
was going to try to just be haughty with the king and say, King, I, I, I know you're the king, but I, my God spoke to me. I got to go. And even when you think back about Daniel in the lion's den and you think about Shadrach, Meshach and, Meshach and Abednego, all of them, think about it. They were all nice people, even when people were coming against them. They didn't get haughty. They didn't get all, you know, mad and upset like, well, I heard from God, so you're not going to treat me like this. Y'all quiet. Oh, man, this must be hitting home for real. IJ, IJ down with me. Yeah, 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 yeah. You're the only one that's giving me high five tonight, IJ. So I'm glad you came. But the bottom line is I'm telling you, we have to learn to have those kind of Christian attitude that no matter what, you have to have a good attitude and do the thing that you ought to do decent and in order. All right. I'm going to move on and finish up. It's too hard for y'all. I'm closing. God can use you as an answer to prayers. God can use you as an answer to prayer. It has well been said that prayer is not getting man's will done in heaven, but getting God's will done on earth. I'll say it again. It has well been said that prayer is not getting God's will done in heaven, but getting God's will done on earth. However, for God's will to be done on earth, he needs people to be available for him to use them. Huh. God does not, or God, or, or, or God will do what he says he's going to do, but will we allow ourselves to be vessels and conduits instruments that he could work through we're praying prayers but will we allow god to use us as answering prayers <laughs> maybe that's why sometimes we don't pray because we want to stay out of it i don't want i don't want him telling me <laughs> you remember back to that to joseph remember how joseph became the governor of all egypt at that time he had the plan. So he told them, he told Pharaoh, when Pharaoh brought him up and he told the dream, Pharaoh said, well, how is this going to work? How are we going to survive, you know, the seven years of um, plenty and the seven years of famine? How will we survive? We're not going to have anything. And Joseph started telling them what the plan could be. He says, since you know that, you be in charge of it. So maybe we know that God is going to say, since you had the burden, and you prayed, now I'm going to send you. Woo! If God is going to answer prayer, he must start by working in the one doing the praying. He works in us and through us to help us see our prayers answered. While Nehemiah was praying, his burden for Jerusalem became greater and his vision of what needed to be done became clearer. Real prayer keeps your heart and your head in balance so your burden doesn't make your impatient to run ahead of the Lord and ruin everything. Which is what we're dealing with right now in Christ Center Church. We need a building real bad and we can't allow that to cause us to get ahead of God and we ruin everything. 
As we pray, God tells us what to do, when to do it, and how to do it. And all are important to the accomplishing of God's will. Nehemiah didn't pray for God to send somebody else, nor did he argue that he was ill-equipped for such a difficult task. He simply said, here am I, send me. And so as you begin to pray, that's what you need to say. Here am I, Lord, send me. Here we go. I'm almost there. Nehemiah sacrificed the comfort and security of the palace for the rigors and dangers of life in a ruined city. Think about it, where Nehemiah was. Luxury would be replaced by ruins and prestige by ridicule and slander. He would leave behind the ease of the palace and take up the toil of encouraging a beaten people and finishing an almost impossible task. We don't want to leave our comfort zone. We like it nice and comfortable. And so because we like it nice and comfortable, we're not trying to go any place that's going to challenge our comfortability. We want to stay comfortable. Nehemiah was in the palace. As a cupbearer, I'm sure he had him a mansion room. I'm sure his room was like a mansion. I'm sure he had a lot of access to that, that, that palace and he was living large. And here he is living large in the palace, but worried, burdened with what was happening with his people and, and, and his city. Are we burdened about anything that's wrong in our world? Are we burdened with anything that's wrong in society? Are we burdened on how people are being treated to the point where we're going to God in prayer? Because what we care about, we will pray about. What is it that we're burdened with? That we're calling on the name of the Lord for? Or are we just praying prayers that just make us more comfortable than we already are? With the help of God, Nehemiah was able to undertake the task and complete it. In 52 days, the walls were rebuilt. The gates were restored and the people were rejoicing. And it all started with one man who cared. One man who cared. We start worrying about all the stuff we shouldn't worry about when all we need is a burden from God. All we need is a burden from God and you can't allow yourself to worry whether or not you can handle the burden or not because it doesn't matter when you go to God with a burden. All that matters is you say, God, how can I help to get this situation resolved? How can I help make this situation right? Don't worry about how big it is. That's not your concern. Your concern is having the burden to say, here I am, Lord, send me. Here I am, Lord, send me. And tonight I'm challenging you to 
If you don't already have a burden for something in the kingdom of God, that's what we need to pray about before we get out of here tonight is pray and ask God to put a real strong burden in your heart for the things of the kingdom and that you will go forward and seek him for direction to fulfill that burden that he will put in your heart. We're walking around burdenless for the things of the kingdom. This is why you hear me talk so ridiculously sometimes it might sound when I say we're worrying about this. We're look at this because I care about people not having this salvation that God had promised them, that God had went to the cross for them to have. I worry that people have all these blessings just just waiting to overtake them. And because they're bound in sin, because they're bound by some stronghold, they can't get to it. And we're coming to church just comfortable like nothing is wrong and everything is great. Because what we care about, we will pray about. Abraham cared and rescued Lot from Sodom. Moses cared and delivered the Israelites from Egypt. David cared and brought the nation and the kingdom back to the Lord. Esther cared and risked her life to save the nation from genocide. Paul cared and took the gospel throughout Roman Empire. Jesus cared and died on the cross for a lost world. They cared. And you saw it. It was burdened. It was on them. They prayed about it. They couldn't unburden themselves from it. And they couldn't get away from it. When you're burdened with something from God that you care deeply about, you will seek God every moment, every second to say, God, how can I be of help? God is still looking for people who care. That's all it starts with. People who care. And if you care, you will go to God and say, God, I need to experience my purpose. And I don't have a burden, Lord. I don't have a burden like I need to. A burden that drives me every day. I don't have a burden, Lord, that when I wake up in the day, in the morning, I'm, I'm challenging myself to say, how can I make an impact for the burden that I, I have in my heart? Every day, I'm just challenging myself. What can I do to help with the burden that I feel? I don't know. My last born is my last born. And last borns are kind of crazy because, you know, they're last borns. We call them wash belly. Ain't no last borns a little bit. I don't know. But he made me so proud. Even the other, he's been, I just, the other day, he, he started, signed up for baseball, and he didn't know anything about baseball. And he wasn't no good. <laughs> and I'm sitting on the side just waiting for him to just be like, yeah, Dad, I'm not doing this because I'm not doing well. But he kept going. He never quit. And he kept going at it, kept going at it till he started doing better. And I got to tell him, I tell him all the time. He probably say, all right, dad, you don't have to say that anymore. But I tell him, I said, son, I'm proud of you. Not because of anything other than you didn't quit. You just kept going and kept trying. And you made a commitment and you followed through on your commitment. 
And then he blew me away Sunday. So we do our best to try to put stuff on all of the social media platforms to let people know and hear the gospel. However, we can reach people, right? We try to reach them. But the other day, he showed me on his iPad. Man, we didn't spend that money for nothing. He showed me on his iPad. He said, Dad, look at this. I said, what's that? He showed me, what is it, a one-minute video? Because that's, that's the length of time you can do on TikTok, one minute. And he showed me a, a TikTok video with a, a clip from our Sunday morning service. He had Joe and Brother Scarlett playing a little piece. And then he had me preaching a little piece. And he put it on his TikTok page. And I can't tell you how proud that made me because in my mind, why did he do that? See, that's how my brain worked. What, what made him do that? What made him decide that he want to put the church information out there? What made him say, I'm going to put the church on TikTok? Because you realize TikToks, for us adults, most of us don't know, it's only usually kids that mess with TikTok. Not, no adults usually. If you're an adult on TikTok, it's because you're doing some TikTok. But it's really just always going to the kids. And so the deal is, the, 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 the kids, the, the audience that he got from TikTok is not an audience that would ever be on any of our other social media platforms. And so we had 450 hits on the, on the, probably more now, on the video that he posted on TikTok. And all I can say is, what made him do that? What made him do that? We, we think he had the Holy Ghost when he was a baby. We don't know what happened. We don't, we don't know what happened. When he, was, when he was littler, he was preaching and talking in tongues. Then he got big, and now we're just like, what's going on with you? But if you ask me, we, we felt like he had the Holy Ghost because he used to preach hard when he was a kid. I mean, he was bringing the smoke. I mean, he had, he had an audience, and when the kids didn't stay still, he said, sit down, I'm the preacher. And then he would start praying, laying hands, and then talking to And I don't know what happened to the preacher. But there's something still in the preacher. Because the preacher put the TikTok video out there the other day, and I don't know why the preacher did that. So I'm claiming the preacher, preacher, let God have his way in you. All of us need to pray and ask God for a burden in us. For the kingdom of God. That's what we need is a burden from God for the kingdom of God. Because until we get that, we're not going to really see our purpose being fulfilled because we need to have a burden first. We need to have such a burden that we begin to weep because of the, uh, of the burden that we feel because we want to have such impact. Stand with me tonight. Before you go, can you just do me a favor and pray tonight that God will give you a burden? No fan, no, no, no long drawn out prayer, but I just want you to ask God tonight to give you a burden for the kingdom of God. Because we all like to say, I want to know my purpose. I want to walk in my purpose. I want to fulfill my purpose. But your purpose, once you get it, it will drive you. It will drive you. When, you. when you come to know your purpose in Christ, it's supposed to make you go every day. Whenever you don't feel like it, you're still going at it because you just, you know there's something burning deep within you 
concerning the things of God. Someone ought to look at your life and just see your purpose without you speaking it. They just could look and say, my goodness, that person is driven. But that's when you pray and ask God for a burden that it will drive you, that you can't rest until you begin to walk in that 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 purpose. Let's pray. Father, in the name of Jesus. Lord. Help us tonight. We pray, Lord, but oftentimes we're praying about what we want. Oftentimes we're praying about trivial things that are not even really that important, Lord. We pray because we know, Lord God, it's right for us to pray. We pray because we're commanded to pray. But God, we don't really pray from a position of burden. And Lord... We're not happy with that. We're not, we're not okay with that. Because, Lord, we know, we've seen it throughout Scripture, men and women with a Bible, with, with a burden. We've seen it, Lord God, where they had a burden that weighed them down so heavily that they couldn't help themselves. They put their life at risk just to fulfill that burden, Lord God. I pray tonight, Lord Jesus, for each and every one of us in the house of the Lord tonight that have joined us, Lord God, online. I pray for each and every one of us to get a burden from you. Will you, Lord God, impart to us a burden, Lord God, that will overwhelm us, that will take over us, Lord God. For in that burden, Lord God, we will fulfill our purpose in you, Lord God. Father, I pray tonight that you will help us. That we will not walk out of this place, Lord God, without seeking you and knowing, Lord God, that without that burden, Lord God, we're not walking in our purpose. We're not fulfilling our purpose, Lord God. We need a burden from you, Lord God. A burden that is aligned with the kingdom of God for the sake of the kingdom. And I pray tonight, Lord God, that you'll move on us in a miraculous way, in a powerful way. That, Lord God, that burden will overtake us. That burden, Lord God, when we wake up in the morning, will arrest us. That burden, Almighty God, when we walk and go about our day, will just continue to just work in us, Lord God. We need a burden of the kingdom, Lord God. We want a burden as Nehemiah had a burden. Give us a burden, Lord God, that we will care so deeply that we will seek you each and every day to give us guidance to fulfill that burden, Lord God. I pray tonight, Lord, that every person in this room and every person that has joined us virtually, Lord God, will grab a hold of the burden that you will give unto them. Lord God, and they will hold on and go forth and fulfill and do the will of God for that burden, Lord God. Lord, I pray tonight that you will hear us, Lord God. I pray, Almighty God, that you will touch us tonight, Lord God. In the name of Jesus Christ, Lord, let your will be done, Lord God, that we, Lord God, will not rest until that burden, Lord God, has overtaken us. Help us tonight, Lord God. Oh, God, that we will be like Jeremiah. That we will be like Nehemiah. That we will be like Esther, Lord God. That we will be like the Moses, Lord God. That we will be like Abraham, Lord God. That we will be like 
David, Lord God, that we will be like Peter and Paul and those men and women of God that were so burdened, Lord God, that they could not cease but to go forth and do your will. Father, touch us in a special way tonight. Your burden, Lord God. We don't want to come up with our own stuff, Lord God, but we want a burden from heaven. We want a burden from heaven to overtake us. We want a burden from heaven to rest upon us that we will go forth and do your will, Lord God. Father, we thank you tonight. We give you the honor tonight, Lord. We bless your holy name, Lord God, for there is none like you, Lord Jesus. You are the glorious one, the only true and living God, our Savior, our Redeemer, our Re- Restorer. Have your way tonight, Lord God. Jesus, have your way tonight. Jesus, have your way tonight. Will you hear us from heaven tonight, Lord God? We pray and ask you these things. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Lord, we thank you tonight. We thank you tonight, Lord God. Oh, God, a burden from you. We will do what you want us to do. We will go where you want us to go. We will declare your word, Lord God. Hear our cry tonight for a burden from heaven. In Jesus' name we pray. Church, don't forget, Saturday morning at 8 a.m., we have our prayer breakfast. We want you to come. Right after our prayer breakfast, I'm going to take some time, maybe 35 minutes, to teach you how to minister the word of God. Whoever wants to be effective in ministering the word of God can hang back after our prayer breakfast while we're eating breakfast. I'll go through it and I'll talk to you about it a little bit. We'll have some handouts if you'd like to join us. But we look forward to that. And don't forget our um, North Central Jersey men's meeting will be 6 p.m. tomorrow, Saturday evening in Prospect Park, New Jersey. You can join us for that. And any other announcements? That's it. God bless you. Oh, family Zoom meeting is the 17th 17th of June at 7 p.m. Don't forget, we'll continue to let you know about that. But we'll see you Saturday morning for prayer breakfast. God bless you. Thank you.